Welcome into the show. You made it. You're here on Breaking the Norm, presented by truckmovers.com. And as you always know, since 83, the nation's leading truck manufacturers and dealers are trusting them to move your new, used, could be right out of the factory. Call 816-861-5444 or just visit truckmovers.com. Not while you're driving, but because nobody moves more trucks and nobody moves them better, you need to get a hold of truckmovers.com. Uh, as many of you know, I have I've shared... The fact that there's a lot of loves that I have. I love the Olympics. I love music, especially 80s hair bands, a little bit of grunge, and a lot of 90s country. But I'll take all the other stuff in there. Um, I, I just I love to read, and I love when people are being real. Many of you know I've shared my faith hundreds of times on this show. I probably cried twice as many times as that because I'm just I'm moved by so many things. I'm moved by great, but I'm more importantly. I'm moved by the real. And today, November 2nd, as, as this airs, I know many of you will have this on podcast and you're recorded and, and, and it'll be all different times, but this is November 2nd, and today drops a, a pretty cool book that you need to get. If you're a reader and you love sports both, if you're a person of faith and if you've had struggles or any of those four, you need to go pick this book up. It's called Up and Down. What most of you know uh, and, and what we do with people in the public eye is is that we, we know about them when they're on TV or we know about them in Sports Illustrated or we know about them when we watch something, when we read something, but when we don't know them and don't spend every day with them, the things we know of my guest today. Okay, he's from Baghdad, Florida, with a population of 3,800. So he's a PGA Tour player, peaked at number two in the world rankings. Uh, he's a two-time Masters champ, 2012 and 2014. He's a U.S. Olympian. He was on the Ryder Cup. Uh, he's a businessman, philanthropist. But I think more importantly, and I'll let him speak into this shortly, but he's a Christ follower. He's a husband to Angie. He's a father and a dad to Caleb and Dakota. He's imperfect, and he's growing. And those are his words out of this amazing book, again, called Up and Down. So if you want to find out more, you can go to BubbaWatson.com, UpAndDownBook.com, or wherever they're sold. So, um, yeah, go get the book. Read the book, make it a priority, put your other books down, and go check this out. So one of my favorite guys to watch, I'm, I'm jealous and he frustrates me because I'm horrible at this game. And, man, this dude just puts it really long and anywhere he can. But like I said, more important, this dude is real. So it is a true honor to bring to the break in the norm, I'd say stage, but it's over the phone and on the radio. But regardless, Bubba Watson is joining us. Bubba, man, thank you for taking the time. I know you're a busy dude. The book is coming out, but uh, I really appreciate you being here, man. Yeah, for sure, man. Thanks for that uh, overwhelming introduction. But, um, yeah, it was it's, uh, it's something I felt like I needed to do and, and tell my story to help me, but also try to help one or two other people. I think you're going to help more than one, one or two other ones, uh, that's for sure. So, you know, what's really cool for me, Bubba, is, the, and this is how I'm going to start this thing, because I find this fascinating, and then we'll really dig in. But the number two for me is, is fantastic that it forever changed two different landscapes. In 1998, Mark McGuire breaks Maris's home run record, and we were all watching it. I'm from Chicago. I was a Sosa fan, but I also shared a weight room once with Mark McGuire, and he made me look really small um, when we, Kansas City was in Oakland. But he hit number 62 on September 8th of 98. But then six years before that, a 12-year-old Bubba Watson shoots a 62 in the final round of the Divot Derby at Tanglewood Golf Club near Pensacola, Florida. You've got to be kidding me. How does a 12-year-old shoot a 62? <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's pretty remarkable. You know, it's one of those things where you just wake up and you play golf and then you add it up. And, um, 
you know, that's kind of where the dream started. Uh, when you shoot that, when you shoot in the 60s anytime, it's a happy day. But to do it at a young age, that really took the baseball out of my hand and really started putting the golf ball in my hand. Okay, so true or false, mom and dad thought that you were going to be a, a pitcher for the New York Yankees, and your mom even wrote a letter to George Steinbrenner telling them about it. 100% true. Don <laughs> Mattingly was my idol growing up. Yeah. He played first base. Well, I played first base, Mr. Baseball. I played first base. And then I, my dad wanted me to be a pitcher because left-handed, left-handed pitchers at that moment were very hard to find. Yeah. Um, and so he always had that dream that I was going to be a baseball player and, you know, somehow be a Yankee at the same time. And um, so that became my dream too, right? And then until yeah. later on when I shoot really good golf scores and um, I chose a different path. So could you hit though too? I mean, you can talk about being a pitcher, but could you hit a little bit? I, you know, listen, man, I'm scared of a lot of things. You know, the book <laughs> kind of talks about things. But yeah. I'm scared of a lot of things. When that ball is coming at me, so I didn't have much. It's so weird to say this, but I didn't have much power. But I could contact, and, man, was I a slow runner. So I better get, I better be able to eat your row it somewhere out there so yeah. I can make it to first base. So that, that's interesting <laughs> in baseball. I mean, in golf, you don't have to run. You just got to be able to stand up and, and walk and keep your stamina up for, you know, five hours or however else you're going to be on the course. But – that is interesting because if you don't have a lot of power and you're going to Ichiro, for those of you that don't know baseball, Ichiro just kind of flipped and flopped balls all over the field and was a, a menacing hitter to pitchers. But you don't have a lot of power there, and yet you can drive a golf ball between 350 and 450 yards. Uh, how, what's the correlation between the two? How can you not have baseball power versus that golf ball power that you have? Well, it goes back to being scared again. I'm not scared of that the ball sitting there. So you're um, you're fading away from a pitch. You're saying like as a left-handed baseball hitter. Yeah, you know you you don't. I don't want to get hit. You know, there's people <laughs> might be mad at me. What if I'm hitting people? If as as me as a pitcher, you know, you happen to hit one or two people, uh, the first inning, they might throw at you as well. Now go back to golf. The golf side of it, you know, I'm not very strong. You know, you would intimidate me in the gym. And so when you look at me as a golfer, though, I'm, I've got the right muscles, the right twitch muscles. I've got the, the lanky arms, which creates the club head speed, right? The, yeah. the bigger the arc, the more the club head speed, right. which creates power. So I do my golf swing creates power not from strength but from efficiency and um, long arms. So that's how I create my power in golf. So it's two different, it's two different motions and two different ways to go about it in golf. Um, in baseball, I feel like you have to be pretty strong in, in, a, in that swing. But you're a guy that is ne- – now, I grew up. Never, I mean, I had coaches because you play in high school and, you know, baseball teams have coaches. You had a coach in baseball, obviously. But in, in golf, you never had a coach. And, and I know there's the, the whole relationship with, with, your, with your caddy and, uh, you know, with, with Teddy. And so there, there are people breathing life into you, talking about things. But, but like a coach where you hire someone, you, you didn't have a coach. So can you, in your best way, how can you, I know that as a hitter, when I'm in a zone, you know, I, I really don't need a coach. I'm just seeing it and hitting it. I can go with a pitch. I can turn on a fastball. I can stay back on a changeup. I can take a curveball wherever it's pitched. But but this is kind of you all the time in golf. You, How can you explain how the game came so well to you without really having a coach? Because, I mean, you don't just hit the ball. I mean, just because you can drive the ball and hit fairways most of the time. I mean, there's so much more to the game. The putting, the, the shaping, the shots, the the touch, the mental, so much of it, and yet you were doing this so long on your own. How do you explain that? It's, it's 
just going back to being a kid. When I was a kid, I just had plastic golf balls around my house. And so sure. I would play that way. I would draw up a golf course in my head and, <laughs> and go one way around my house, which would create draws. Go uh, The other way around my house, which would create fades or cuts. Uh, moving, shaping the plastic golf ball certain ways. Wow. And then when you go to the golf course, instead of going to the driving range, I would play golf. And when you play golf, that's when you're – it doesn't matter where the ball ends up. You're playing for a score. You're not playing for beauty. You're not playing for the perfect swing. You're playing for score. And that's how I learned to play. And over the years, we've seen golfers do that, right? We've seen, you know, back in the day, Arnold Palmer swings a little different. Um, Lee Trevino's one that sticks out. Seve Ballesteros. Yeah. Uh, we've seen guys now with John Rahm. We, we've seen guys over history do that, where they, they've created like a homegrown swing. And, and that's really what I did. I just used my imagination and just um, developed my golf that way. And then I have something to fall back on. I'd be like, well, you remember when you did this and this felt this way? Um, and so that's what I do. I just, when I tinker, and but most of the time, kind of what I was trying to say in the book or one of the things in the book is, it's for me, it's not physical, it's mental. It's, it's getting yeah. in the right place at the right moment at the right time. If life's not going great, doesn't matter what you do in life your job's probably going to suffer a little bit just because you suffer you're suffering with something and that's going to create your job to suffer a little bit or what you're supposed to be doing suffer a little bit yeah um one of the things that you also said in the book too uh and again bubba watson's our guest get his new book that just dropped today up and down victories and struggles in the course of life you need to get this book it is amazing it's a great read it's honest it's bold. It'll make you think. It'll make you appreciate what human beings go through because so often the better someone is, the more we want to vilify them. And, and, and being a member of the media now after being a professional athlete, it was a great transition for me because I understood it because in the media, the media will create so much of what they want the narrative to be. And most times that's not what's going on. It is absolutely most times not what's going on. You talk about uh, in the book about, about golf and, and the mental side of everything. How does a young kid learn the mental side? And we're going to talk here in a later uh, part of it, but um, what made you so strong mentally? Because I can just, I got to be honest with you. I wanted to play baseball when I was six, seven, eight, nine, and it worked out. I got to play in the Olympics and got to play in the big leagues. I wasn't strong mentally at 12 years old. I wasn't strong mentally at 16 years old. I still struggled mentally when I was 30 years old. So how were you able to develop some of that um because the the enjoyment right it wasn't it wasn't somebody telling me um when you're throwing a baseball this this elbow this way or this that way same thing with golf right it wasn't somebody telling me it was just me performing and it was me performing instead of playing with di joe men in my house or or legos in my house i was i was outside i was always bouncing a tennis ball i had a glove in my hand i had a golf club in my hand those were my toys those were my go-to's and so Golf was was my release. It was one where I could. Just, it was just me. I didn't like it when I played a good game or I got three hits or I scored a couple baskets in basketball, um, and we lose. I don't know how to say this the right way, but I can't take people losing. Um, I can take me. I can be the guy that takes the last shot and airballs it. I'm good because I I can I can deal with that. Mm-hmm. I wasn't very good when person struck out when we lost the game or we had a chance to get a hit and win. I can deal with me striking out and losing. Same thing. I can, I can, I can somewhat deal with me hitting um, out of bounds and losing, but I couldn't see other people doing it. And so golf was my. Um, that's the reason I chose it. Playing golf was just it was me and the golf course and me trying to beat the golf course. And at a young age, my confidence grew every time I won a, a plastic trophy. Right. Um, yeah. You just start getting better, and then you see your scores dropping. You see your scores dropping in the 60s or under par or 
whatever. And then you started traveling outside the state and you start getting confidence that way. So that's where I just built up that I was, my technique was right. And, and, um, I was pulling off these shots. And so I just kept letting that, um, grow in my head and just kept giving me confidence as you move up levels, level after level, year after year, um, you realize you can play the game pretty good. Um, yeah. and it was me and it was me that had the negative. It was me that had the positive. So I just, I, that's why I chose golf. And I just felt like, um, at a young age, it was just fun. So I let the game be fun. And now as a professional, I sometimes let the game not be so fun. <laughs> yeah, I think we all tend to do that, my man. Um, but yeah, right. uh, one of the things, again, I appreciate, I appreciate so much about your honesty in this book. Um, and, and this is the first time we're ever talking. We didn't know each other, and we only get to know what a 30 for 30 puts out there, or ESPN or CBS or whatever tournament you're on or wherever you're at or what you read on the Internet or something like that. And so by you writing this book, I got to tell you, I played golf yesterday on the 16th hole. I teed off and, oh man, it was horrible. And I, this, this wasn't, uh, this was death Valley. This wasn't a, a sand trap. I mean, this was a horrible thing after a rain that needed to get fixed in this really nice golf course. Three people I was golfing with said, why don't you just pick it up and bring it over there? Nothing. I said, you know, I just read this book of this, this, this guy. I know you guys know Bubba Watson. I'm getting ready to interview him about his book and I want to do life and I want to do it on the course the right way. I want to play it where it lies instead of taking the easy way out. I got that from your book. I got that from you it's and it's not about the whole cheating thing i didn't want to cheat it was a friendly game but the idea was man if this is how i'm just if i'm just going to escape life and try to erase the stuff that's out there instead of getting after it it's not going to help me be mentally tough it's not going to help me learn how to lose and learn how to win so uh of the many things i love that part of the book that you put in there of of you know just playing it where it lies right for sure i mean that's the thing you know like when i've got called out before through media outlets i've got a man up i yes i did wrong and Thank you for calling me out so I can improve and get yeah, better. And absolutely. It, it's what you have to do. You have to play the tough situations and, and move on, try to go forward from there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we're going to take our first break. I want to talk more about the book. We're really going to dive into the book now and, and, and really get into some of, the, some of the things. And, again, Bubba, where can people find the book? Tell us where we can go get it. Gosh, hopefully every bookstore there is. Yeah, um, that's good. Go to <laughs> BubbaWatson.com uh, has it, and then you can go to Amazon. You can uh, get it on Amazon.com. Um, so, yeah, I mean, hopefully anywhere, you know, hopefully at golf tournaments people show up and I have to, get, have to sign a few books, you know. Yeah. That would be a, a cool thing. Yeah. You know, again, just want to help at least one person. You've already done that. You've already helped me. So anybody else that now has it, it's just going to be on down the road. But I have a feeling after they read it, there's going to be many people that are going to think the same way that I do. I think it's going to help so many people. Thank you for writing it. So we're going to go ahead and take our first break. And when we come back, we're going to really dive into this first chapter called Rock Bottom. It's how the book starts, and it will catch you and hit you like a ton of bricks. So make sure you stay right there with our guest, Bubba Watson. Again, BubbaWatson.com. The book is Up and Down, Victories and Struggles in the Course of Life by Bubba Watson and Don Yeager, who's an 11-time New York Times bestselling author. Stay right there for more. Uh, Make sure you come right back. We'll be right back with more Breaking the Norm. Stay right there. Welcome back to the show. You've joined us in here on Breaking the Norm. My guest is Bubba Watson, uh, two-time Masters champ. He's won multiple times, former Georgia Bulldog, U.S. Olympian, been on the Ryder Cup, uh, businessman, philanthropist. You can go through the whole list of of so many. I love the fact that he almost, according to his parents, he was going to play for the Yankees. Uh, It's kind of a sport that I like, but... I'm liking. I'm actually loving golf more than probably even baseball. So it's it's flipped the script. So, Bubba, you you briefly said this. It was it was about helping people, but I asked you earlier why did you write this book? You said I might be able to help someone. Let me ask you: Did it help you? Was it good for you by writing this book? 
100%. And, you know, um, I had opportunities to write books before, but, I, you know, I, I didn't feel like I was ready. I didn't feel like I um, went through some stuff. And then, obviously, as the book shows, I went through a dark time in my life um, as the first chapter really hits you right away. Yeah. Um, lost all this weight. And then the pandemic happened. Um, and we, at the time, we didn't know what was going on. The world's still trying to figure out what's going on. And so I had 90 days. It worked out. And I, Don Yeager uh, is, a, is a great uh, writer himself uh, yeah. without me. And so he, uh, he had to listen to my voice for many, many hours. And, um, and so we got the book done. And when I was sitting at home with my family and my kids doing schoolwork during the first uh, hit of the pandemic, um, it was a perfect timing to, to talk about my struggles. And the reason why I wanted to talk about my struggles is not only to, to share with people, but it really helps me. If I don't voice, and what I've learned through my darkest days was if I don't communicate with my beautiful wife of 17 years, 20 years together, Amen. 17 years married, then our relationship isn't where it should be. And, right. and so I need to tell her my deepest, darkest secrets. Yeah. She knows, she knows about 99%, but I need to tell her my deepest, darkest, my other, the other little bit. And, um, and so this book is another way for me to just voice that and let people, let people, let me be an open book to people. Let, let them see me, let them know that I struggle. I'm going to have days on the course. I'm going to have days in life where I'm not a guy that you want to hang out with. And, long as those days start getting smaller or shorter or not as many throughout the year, then I'm improving. But without voicing that and holding it in, I think we hold in a lot. I think there's going to be some mental struggles as coming out, but I think it's going to come out more and more because, truthfully, we can't hold it in. As men, we think we can hold it in and be tough, but uh, we can't. I hate to say that to everybody, but you can't do it. That's women, right. men, doesn't matter. You can't do that. You got to voice it just to get it out, or it's going to eat you away. And that's what it was happening to me in chapter one. Um, it was eating away at me, and I was healthy, but I kept losing weight. So something's going on, and that's really why I wanted to put out the book just to help me voice my own issues uh, to a larger, larger audience. Yeah, I can relate to that. I know that um, carrying a lot of stuff and dealing with a lot of stuff, it, it pushed me into a lot of anxiety, depression, panic attacks, and. It wasn't that I was different from, from anybody else. We all have our struggles behind every face. There's a drama unfolding. No matter what it looks like, we all have our stuff. But uh, you, you said, said it so eloquently that we need to be able, you know, we, we all do, I think, carry that 99%. But when you're married to your best, fr best friend, like you share that you are with, with your bride, Angie, um, and congratulations, by the way, on, on 17 years and 20 years together. That's truly amazing, wonderful family. Um, but when we hold it in, man, that's the beginning of a, of a pretty big downfall. So you, what, are you normally what, about 190 pounds when you say you're at your healthiest on the course? Yeah, I would say I fluctuate. You know, it depends on how many Doritos I eat, but <laughs> fluctuate between 200 and, and 190, somewhere in that area. Yep. Burritos and Doritos? Yes, exactly. Yeah, so you went down to 162. You say you were healthy, but you went down to 162. How in the world, if you're healthy – could you drop 30 pounds like that? Because when you're an athlete, you're you're tall and lean, right? I mean, are you like 6'3", 6'2", 6'3"? 6'2". 6'2". Okay, so you're 6'2"-ish. So, you know, if you, you, you need to carry for that kind of stamina and energy and all that you do, walking a golf course and, and playing so much as you do and all the travel, I mean, you need to carry that 190 to 200. But when you got down to 162, what did you think when you looked in the mirror, man? Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the scary part. And, you know, again, what I want to say, I'm healthy. 
you know, I'm looking at just the, the blood work. I'm looking at the, the heart rhythm. I'm looking at lungs. I'm looking at kidneys. I'm looking at liver. Doctors are saying you're healthy, and I'm going, hey, doc, I, I'm not healthy. There's, I'm losing weight here. Uh, you know, my friends could see it. My wife obviously could see it. And um, so there's something going on. And, and sometimes m- medical, we're looking for the answers in, in, the, in the stats and the numbers and all these things. Sure. And, and mental, I think mental is a, is a thing we're, we're just now touching on um, as people. Mental, you can't really, you can't really uh, show that on monitors and different things. Um, and so when I looked at my scale, um, it was 162. And my wow. bed is about 12 to 15 feet away from that scale. So I came around the corner and just fell to my knees, and I said, take me now, right? You know, I, I, I can't – there's something going on. Everybody's telling me I'm good, but something's going on. So it can't be good. I mean, I can look in the mirror and see something's not good here. And first time in my life I did a stress test, and, you know, I, I got up to 200 on the heart monitor, and I ran – I went all the way through it. I think it's about 15 minutes long, I guess. Uh, so I made it all the way through it, even the steepest climb on that thing. Um and so they're saying you're good. And I'm like, no, I can look and I can look at the scale. I'm not good. And so you're right. You can't carry that. You can't play golf at that. You can't play baseball. You can't play any sport at that. When you're losing that much weight, you're losing muscle. You're losing energy. You're losing focus. You're losing all sorts of things, right? And your mind's racing. Yeah. Um, and so when I fell to my knees, I basically said, Lord, take me. I don't, I don't want to go through this. I don't want my family to go through this. I'm going to do it now. Let's, let's don't let this linger anymore. Yeah. Um, that's a harsh thing to say when you're when you but you're at rock bottom. It's 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 where I need to be, and I'm hopefully that is my rock bottom. Hopefully, I, I've learned to catch it sooner now. Um, but you know what? Truthfully, what got me off that floor is is thinking about my wife and thinking about my two kids that were in the house. My wife's in the house, and and going, wait, this is a heart attack because I was having stomach issues as well, where it felt like it was a heart attack and acid reflux and a bunch of things, which yes. anxiety, stress, same um, here, add man. To it. Right. We, we've all, we, you know, the people that want to admit it, we've all done it. But the people that don't, they have done it. Um, and so when I'm, when I'm getting off the floor, when I'm about to get off the floor, is I'm thinking, okay, if this is the longest heart attack in history. Um, um, I got 10 more minutes. I need to be the, it needs to be the best 10 minutes I give my wife. It needs to be her hearing me, telling her to find a great man that's better than me, uh, telling her that I love her telling my kids that I love them, my two adopted kids that, you know, y'all are great. Y'all are, y'all are nothing but the greatest gift I've ever received. Um, and that's 10 minutes. And then I was like, wait, I've already been praying for 10 minutes. So let's say we got another 30 minutes. And then let's say we talk to a doctor and the doctor says three months, six months. So then it got me off the floor going, wait, this is how I'm going to end my life. I'm going to end it the right way. I'm not going to sit here and just pout on my bed. I'm going to get up and do something. And so I went to her and I was crying, obviously. And um, just told her my whole situation. I said I'm scared to death. I don't I don't know what to do. And and um, that was my that was my first opportunity to just start releasing everything and sharing with her. I've, I've shared with her, but not my truly my fears. Right, yeah, like I'm yeah. dying. And so, yeah, I mean it, these are these are things that a lot of people deal with. And luckily for me, um, God's plan was not to um, dive into alcohol, dive into drugs dive into gambling um you know i i've i was letting it eat me eat me away inside that's how i dealt with it mm-hmm. um and which is a i guess the most positive way i don't know how to if that's even a thing but 
um, lucky for me, I, you know, it was, I, I, I got help and got the bright people around me and, and we came out of it. But yeah, I mean, it was a, it's a scary time when, when you hit rock bottom or, or we believe is right rock bottom at that moment. There's something about, and I've been, I've been in a rock bottom moment myself. And there's something about that moment when you feel like, you know, you're crying out, uh, God, I'm done. Just take me. I, I screwed this whole thing up. At least that was from my point of view. I'm done. I, I don't want to do this anymore. And, but yet in that moment of rock bottom, when you finally let it all go, it is the, it's almost like you've never felt that much freedom in your life than in that first moment. Would you agree with that? Oh, 100%. It was like, it was almost like I was calling myself a name, you know, like a, like a dummy or what a, I mean, what an idiot. I hate to say that, but what an idiot you are, Bubba. Like, what, why are you, you're, get up. And then it's like, oh, I'm so free. It's like, who cares about golf at this moment? Who cares about anything at this moment? Let's, my wife's in the other room, my kid's in the other room. And just, yeah, it's like, it's so freeing that, that now I just want to share it. Like, it's easy to have these conversations with multiple different media outlets talking about the book. I mean, it's easy to share because I've already shared it to the, the person I'm closest to. And now I have a, a thing where I, I believe I'm trying to help people. Um, yeah. I think I'm going to help people. Yep. So, yeah, it's so freeing. That moment, you don't think about that moment of how much more positivity is going to happen because you're, you're only thinking about rock bottom. But once you do it, it truly, like you said, it frees you up completely. So did you look in the mirror in that moment and say, oh, there's the real you? <laughs> no, I went straight to the kitchen. I went straight to the kitchen. <laughs> Got something to uh, eat? My wife, my, I wanted to eat. But uh, my, wife was, my wife was in there. Um, again, I can, I can picture it. I, my imagination is what, what drives me to get better and do things. You know, you said you're a reader. My imagination and dreaming of things. And I can, I can vividly remember walking and, and seeing her in the kitchen and just bawling. She's like, what's going on? And I said, I can't do it no more. And I mean, it was just, it was that aha moment, that free yeah. moment, like you mentioned. Let me quote from page 193 of Bubba Watson's new book, Up and Down, Victories and Struggles in the Course of Life. It said, God picked me up from the floor and told me what I needed to do. I chose to make golf and life fun again, to live the life I wanted, not the life people expected me to live. That's I love it. Yeah, it's you know, and it is. It's, it's kind of what you asked me earlier. Um, you asked about um, childhood and and learning and and the pressures and the different things. Um, and it's true. As a kid, you don't you don't ever dream about being we'll call we'll say a celebrity or famous. You don't right. think about you think about I, at that time I wanted to be Payne Stewart, and the reason why I wanted to be Payne Stewart. I didn't know who Payne Stewart was as a golfer. I didn't know who he was as a man. All I knew is Payne Stewart wore knickers. I could pick him out of the crowd. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so that's who I wanted to be. I was like, I recognize that guy. And now everybody recognizes Tiger Woods. Who doesn't want to be like Tiger Woods with 80-something wins or whatever. But, um, you know, it's at that moment, that was my guy. And so I, you know, that was me being a kid in a candy store, right? Like I, I – I just played golf because I loved it, and I loved the challenge every day. Man, you beat me today, but I'm going to come back tomorrow. And I don't think about the negatives, and that's where I need to be in my life. When I'm playing with buddies, I don't think about I just hit it in the water. I just think about, man, I need to birdie the next hole. But in professional golf, and I think in professional sports in general, we're worried about what fans are yelling at us. We're worried about what the media is going to say about us. We're worried about, is my outfit all right? We worry about you know, all the things that we shouldn't be worrying about. We forget about our sport. Um, not everybody. The greats are still the greats. But I think for the most part, we, we forget about 
the love that we had for that sport. And I, and I, like I've mentioned before, I've, I've, I lose that sometimes because I get focused on the wrong things. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go back one more page, and I'm, this will be the last time I do this because there's so much more into the next uh, our final segment I want to get. But this is on page 192. It says, if all this sounds like a life I should have felt blessed to live, let me assure you that I did. The problem was that I wasn't always free to live it on my own terms. That's because we lived our life in the public eye with the result that the details of our lives often didn't seem to belong to us. Pretty poignant stuff there. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, like I, there's so much, right? Like we can talk about this, this one, this one line or two lines for for hours, yeah, right? But absolutely. um, you know, it, it's it's so true. It's like you know, people put us on pedestals, or you know, a celebrity, um, right. you know, and our pastor. You know, there's pastors out there that that fall off this pedestal that we we've, we've put them on. I'm included in that. I put people on pedestal. I think Tim Tebow is amazing. Michael Phelps is amazing. Michael Jordan's amazing. I can yes. sit here and name people. Um, but you put them on these pedestals, and then and then we can't live up to that, right? We're not Superman, right? We can't. There, there's Superman was a cartoon character, right? Yeah. Um, and so we can't live up to that, and so we fall um, short of what the human race thinks we can do, are capable of. Uh, we can't be perfect. You know, I try to go to dinner. I have date nights with my, my wife and people say, sorry to bother you. Can you, can I take a picture with you? And I'm like, I'm just trying to have a date with my wife right now, you know, like, yeah. and, and I, I still take the picture, but I mean, and then that, now that changes our conversation of what we were talking about, about the kids and about what we're going to do and how we're going to go forward. Sure. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a fine line, right? I think you've probably dealt with it many times as well, where, you know, how do you balance life and how do you balance uh, media and how do you balance fans? Mm-hmm. Um, we can't live up to it. And, I, and sometimes we believe we can, but we can't. And that's right. where, I, you know, I'm trying to teach, trying to show the world, not teach, trying to show the world that we're human just like everybody else. We yeah. just happen to, I just happen to get lucky on that hook shot and win the Masters. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, remember, you told me at the beginning of the show about the plastic golf balls, learning how to shape them around the house and setting up a golf course and all that. I don't care how many people that I've heard in the media say that was a lucky shot. That happened. That shot happened, in my opinion, when you were a kid. 100%. 100%. I, um, that, but, it, again, it's it God's timing. The wind coming a certain way. The lie was pretty good. The fans uh, were in my path and showed me the path I needed to hit. I mean, there was a lot of <laughs> things that. way. But, yeah, I definitely oh. practiced the shot. Yeah. To actually pull it off at that moment was the, uh, was the, uh, I guess, the lucky part or the good part. Yeah, I know? think I woke my kids up, by the way. It's your fault. Thanks for that. I got in trouble with my wife for yelling at the TV, like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that shot. The kids are sleeping. Well, not anymore. Now I can yell. So, all right, well, listen, we'll, we'll go ahead and take our final break here. Uh, a couple more things I want to ask Bubba before we let him go. He's been so gracious with his time. And please pass along, by the way, when anytime you say yes to someone else, you're saying no to your family. So please, to Angie, uh, to Caleb and Dakota, please tell them thank you for allowing you this time with us. It's 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 very appreciated. We don't take it for granted. So thank you, buddy. Uh, thanks. Absolutely. So Bubba Watson is our guest. Um, the book is Up and Down, Victories and Struggles in the Course of Life. If you know how to get a book, go get it in a physical bookstore. They actually still have those, but in case you have to be at home, uh, go to BubbaWatson.com, go to Amazon, wherever books are sold, you're going to find this. 
Up and Down by Bubba Watson and Don Yeager. Make sure that you uh, check that out. Uh, big thanks and shout out as this fall is ending now. There might be another tournament or two, but you can still sign up for next year. Perfect Game Midwest is is just the leader in, in helping these youth baseball and softball kids find great tournaments that get college exposure, but they're also helping uh, provide guidance and mentorship for poverty-stricken children in America's at-risk community. So make sure you check them out, perfectgamemidwest.org, 913-543-6116, on Twitter and Instagram, at PG Midwest, or follow them on Facebook. And then also by KC Sports, go to kcsports.org. They're more local here too, like Platte Ridge, Tiffany Hills, Capital Federal Sports Complex, uh, 816-587-4545 or info at kcsports.org in their 27th year. And we've been playing their tournaments. My kids are almost done. My youngest is almost done. It's coming to an end as he almost becomes a senior. Uh, but the, you sure you got little kids and competitive baseball, man. This is a great place to go, so visit kcsports.org. Welcome back into the show. You found Breaking the Norm, and our guest is uh, just a cool dude, man. I don't know him personally, but I, I got to know him through his new book called Up and Down. It drops today. And if you're seeing this later on, November 2nd is the day uh, Up and Down, Victories and Struggles in the Course of Life by Bubba Watson and Don Yeager, uh, the two-time Masters champ. He's won uh, multiple, multiple uh, tournaments throughout his years, former Georgia Bulldog. Dude, one of the best moves that you ever made was not to go pro so you could stay in school and meet that amazing bride of yours, Angie. How about that move? Yeah, that was it. That was it. Let me tell you, my parents were, um, they're, um, they can be negative sometimes. Let's just be honest. And so they wanted me to quit. They wanted me to quit Georgia and, and go. And I said, no, I'm going to stay here. It gives me some practice. I'm um, having fun here, so why not? And that's when I met Angie. Uh, she was rehabbing from the WNBA. Um, she tore ACL, so she was rehabbing at Georgia and finishing up her degree at Georgia. And that's when we bumped into each other. And um, yeah, and she she stayed by my side for the next 20 years. So it's been it's been an amazing ride. Without her, my faith definitely wouldn't be a part of it. So God's timing, God's plan, of me stepping up to my parents and saying no, and then me uh, staying there and meeting my wife, and then her pushing me in the faith. Uh, it's been an amazing 20-year ride. Hey, she's 6'3". Can can you post her up, or is she she still got you underneath? Well, listen, she's not on this interview, so I can say whatever I want. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, she's had a full knee replacement. She's going to have to replace the other knee as well. So I'm going to say right now, yes. But our first I'm gonna, – I'm going to be honest with you. Our first time ever playing basketball, just me and her, we were in Stegman Coliseum at Georgia – um, it was just me and her. Gosh, it was eight o'clock at night, and she wanted to play around the world. And I was like, "This girl can't shoot three pointers." She hit, she hit ten in a row, and she goes, "You want to play again?" And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Um, <laughs> I love it. So yeah, it was, it was definitely an eye opener that that girls can play sports. And so yeah, it was, uh, it was humbling for sure. I thought I could, I was an athlete, but she. She rattled off ten in a row, three yeah. pointers. It's yeah, it's amazing how we we can be brought down to earth really quick. So uh, again, there's so many we could spend hours on these. So um, how had uh, you know you win the Masters in 2012? Um, in 2013, who was Bubba Watson? Who was Bubba Watson? Oh man, great question. That one has been um, asked. Um, I was lost to be dead honest with you, and not lost in faith, not lost in, in 
a golfer or marriage, I was lost and didn't know which way was up. Um, and by, by that, I mean um, a, another golfer who won a major came to me, um, gosh, Graham McDowell, and he said, you got to learn the word no. And I was like, what? Said, what do you mean no? You know, like, you know, that's all he said. And I was like, okay. And um, sponsors come at you, uh, sponsors you've had. Um, again, it was like baseball, con- but by the way, it was by like a baseball contract. Every deal was up in 2012. All of my sponsor deals, ambassador deals were up in 2012. So I couldn't hit enough home runs. You know, when I win yeah. the Masters, yeah, that's a pretty good, that's going to be good for 13. And so all the stuff that I wanted to do, like I dreamed about going overseas and playing. I dreamed about doing these things and being a part of these things. And so I didn't. And now I know what he's talking about, learn the word no. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't understand that. And so I was exhausted. You never come down. And again, you got to go back to 12 when I won. Two weeks before I won the Masters, I adopted our first child. Um, that was a process in itself. And then we're in the Masters. So you got two highs coming together, colliding to one. And you just, you don't, you don't realize where you're going until you get too far down the road. And um, so 13 was, I was truly lost in what direction of life I was going in. And when I say that, you know, it, it made, it made, playing golf tiring it made uh it made practicing tiring it made going to sponsor things tiring um and so i just didn't i didn't put the efforts i needed to put in any part of my life like everything was kind of halfway if that makes sense i just didn't get the mindset in the in the body in the right frame to, to perform in 2013 but you seem to get it together by winning the 2014 masters yeah, but you you know so yeah. So with that being said, um, to an extent anyway. That, I mean, so with Ted Scott, Ted Scott was a great leader on my back for 15 years. He he led me in being a dad. He led me into being a Christian. He led me in being a, a father. I mean, I, I mean, sorry, a husband. And um, that's a caddy. That's so, a caddy right there. <laughs> right, and so so Teddy, about halfway through 13, right? Like I said, it takes us a while. Bubba, Bubba learns on his own. I went to third person. I did. Yeah. And so when I, I learned on my own, and so that process takes longer, right? You don't have somebody looking in from the side and telling you, hey, this doesn't look right. Um, and so it took us about halfway through 13, and Teddy and my team, we had a powwow, and we said, this is what's got to happen. We, we've got to stop. You, you need to go back to golf. Golf first. And... So I would say the second half of 13, uh, maybe the late half of 13, um, over the winter, we put the focus in different areas. Um, we came back to wanting to just be a golfer and let all the other stuff work itself out. You know, if it makes sponsors mad, sorry, but I need to, you want me to play good golf. And that's where we were. And, and I wanted to end on top of that. I had a chip on my shoulder. I wanted to back it up that I won the first one, and it wasn't a fluke. Sure. Um, and so I came out firing, and, and, and the winter of 13 is where we put a different spin on life and put a different uh, spin on what we were doing. And, but it took us a while. I mean, it, it takes a little time to uh, figure that out. And, and, again, like I said, Teddy on the bag yeah. um, during that moment really pushed me to the right areas. I want people to understand you're going to find out so much more when we leave so many holes. There's so much information. That's good because you need to go buy the book. Go get it today. It's available, Up and Down, Victories and Struggles in the Course of Life by Bubba Watson with Don Yeager. 
Bubba, the time is going quickly, man. I would just love to sit here and listen. I, if I had an audio book of you talking, I would just love to have that part of it. But look, I just have to ask you one more question. Here on the show, we ask this a lot, and it was never scripted. I don't want to ever tell anybody. And we, we talked a little bit about it, about the mirror thing. But it's not the physical in the mirror now. When you look in the mirror now, who is Bubba Watson? What do you see now when you look in the mirror? Oh, Wow. What a, what a, gosh, yeah. what a by the way, this, uh, this hashtag is something that you put together. By the way, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> That's Romans 15, seven, by the way, if you wanted to. Got it. <laughs> uh, so, oh man, I would say a kid, when I say a kid, I would say, so little of my faith is learned, but I think I'm going in the right direction. So when I look at myself in the mirror, I see a kid in life. Um, but it makes me smile. Actually, answering this question, I'm smiling right now. You can't see me, but I am. Um, I would have to say it's a kid. It's a kid learning, mm. a learning to be better, I love that. Um, learning to be better for my, my family, learning to be better for my wife, my kids, my people around me, my team around me that I trust, um, and better for the fans, right? You, 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 the people that you don't know that come to you and they get that five seconds to talk to you, yeah. I need to be better for them. And so I would say a kid in my faith, a kid in my, uh, my walk, um, that's what I would see in the mirror now that I think about it. I actually think about, now, you know, like I said, I, I visualize. And so, I can remember staring at myself unshaved in the mirror today, um, brushing my teeth. Yes, I do brush my teeth. Yeah, that's and good. so, I mean, that's what I. That's that's you. You're making me smile right now because it's it is. Uh, that's a great question. That's a very deep question. It is, and I planned it perfectly because I know that I probably would have buckled when somebody asked me if I didn't know it was coming. Well, I want to let everybody know up and down, victories and struggles in the course of life is available today. Everywhere, BubbaWatson.com, Amazon, go everywhere you can find a book. You need to go check this book out. I've read it. It was It's going to go down as one of my favorite books of all time. It was a fast read. Bubba, I love watching you play golf. I love watching you hit. I love the way you shape the ball. But here's the thing I love about you, dude. You're, you, you're not perfect, but you're always trying to get better. And the people that want to run other people down to make themselves feel better, that's fine. You're not going to change people like that. The people that are real men of faith – fathers, husbands, dads, all those uh, business people, all those things. It's the people that are real. I root for you because I love golf and I love the pink shaft of your driver and I love all the things that you do. But more importantly, now that I've read this book and know you a little bit better or about you a little bit better, love the fact that you're real, man. And I appreciate that. And I will always be a fan of Bubba Watson for that reason. Oh, man, that, that, that's an honor and a privilege, man. Thank you so much for the kind words. And, um, Man, thank you. Thank you very much. Absolutely, Bubba. I'm going to have you stay right there. I want to give you a proper goodbye. Thanks to all of you who continue to listen to Breaking the Norm. Uh, we got to cut this one quick, so we will catch you next week. Thanks again. Be blessed, everyone, and get a copy, Up and Down, Victories and Struggles in the Course of Life, wherever books are sold. Until next time, I'm Les Norman. This was Breaking the Norm.